This episode is brought to you by Dragon Ball Legends, the mobile fighting game based on the Dragon Ball series. Featuring high-quality 3D graphics and authentic voice acting, the game follows Shallot, an original character, and his adventures with Goku and others. With intuitive controls and simple card-based gameplay, unleash combos and powerful team-based attacks. Battle players around the world in friendly matches, compete in the rankings, or team up in co-op. And now Dragon Ball Legends 5th anniversary is on. Download Dragon Ball Legends today. Welcome back to Humans of Purpose, the weekly podcast featuring conversations with local purpose-driven leaders. Leaders creating social impact through their work and fostering in a new era of social progress. We want you to listen, connect and grow with us. Learn more at humansofpurpose.com. Now, fortunately, because there are, um, you know, more companies doing it and and really good solid examples of, you know, that they intentionally set out to embark on creating a new product or service that had a really strong social element um, and, and, you know, and now we can start to see that even um, you know, that's it's it's being profitable and it's actually delivering on the social aspects of, of what it was designed to do. Those were the insightful words of Helen Steele, CEO of the Shared Value Project. A short bit of housekeeping and we'll get right back to Helen. Firstly, my gratitude as always goes out to our listeners who have opted to actively support the podcast by becoming Patreon supporters. We are now 17 and getting closer each and every week to achieving our sustainability target of 30 supporters. So thank you to our Patreon supporter family, including Rich, Tanvir, Lucia, Judy, Jules, Sally, McCartan, Stuart, Joel, Misha Times 2, Bonnie, Olivia, Lyndon, Joe, B, and Will. Our Patreon family really helped me to shape the direction of the podcast through their advice, ideas, referrals, and ongoing feedback. If you want to support the growth of Humans of Purpose, I encourage you to join our Patreon community. By supporting me to make Humans of Purpose, you're supporting independent local content production in the form of conversations about the things that matter most. To support us, just hit the link in our show notes or head to patreon.com slash humans of purpose. As mentioned, today I'm talking to Helen Steele, CEO of the Shared Value Project. Firstly, thank you to Sharice at the Shared Value Project, whose persistence made this podcast episode possible. It took me a while to open my mind to the positive impact that Shared Value can have in our community. Talking with Helen helps me to better understand the philosophy behind the movement and how it works in practice to promote positive social impact. We spent some interesting topics in our conversation, including does altruism or intent to do good matter? And in the context specifically of corporate not-for-profit partnerships and corporate giving. We also discussed the benefits and challenges of cross-sectoral collaboration to tackle pressure and issues of social disadvantage. I hope you enjoy our conversation as much as I did. So I am so glad you could make it. Ellen, welcome to the podcast. Oh, thanks very much, Mike, for having me. Well, I had the honour to meet the lovely Sharice last week for a coffee and that definitely sealed the deal. So welcome. It's, it's great to be here with you. Yeah, she, she's, uh, she was determined to get me here. So, so well done to her. Well, it's always nice when somebody has heard about the podcast and likes it enough that they'll email you multiple times. So that's a winner. <laughs> yeah, well, that, that's definitely a reflection on the success of the podcast for you. You're too kind. Anyway, <laughs> enough about me. Um, I guess I'm definitely here to learn more about you. So I would love to start with your journey into the space yeah, and sure. to then to learn a bit more about the shared value project. Yeah, so I, I guess um, I, I, you know, my my background is is um, multi layered, like so many people's these days. Um, I started my career in the corporate sector, um, in, in working for an IT company, 
And um, then I had the the good fortune to go and live in the US, um, and and I was there for for many years, and and really that's when I began really thinking um, about this intersection between business and society, and um, and and I, I at, um, living in multiple cities, I started in Atlanta, Georgia, and then had a had a stint in Japan actually, and then and then to Boston. And when I was in Boston, um, I guess I made the decision to to go back to school. I had Harvard down the road, so not a bad place to be. It really wasn't a bad place to be. And as it turns out, anybody who is um, foolish enough to pay full fees, um, that they'll pretty much take you on board. So I, I started <laughs> as a I went and started through their summer school program actually, and and was exploring international relations. And and um, and I'm sure for for many of your listeners will be aware that in in the US you're very much encouraged to do internships as part of your study and. And, and and as I said just before, you know this this idea of business and society it always um, really fascinated me, and and I was fortunate to be able to get an internship with the United Nations Association, and um, I, I kind of laughed because I went back as a mature age student and and laughed that I must have been the oldest intern that they ever had <laughs> um, in my mid thirties and. Um, but anyway, very fortunate that I landed there, and uh, Lena Granberg was the executive director, and she just introduced me to, um, I guess, yeah, the the NGO not for profit world and and the work that the United Nations were doing, and just, I guess, yeah, I I really started to understand the the mechanisms and the role that the NGO world played, and and my role very much afforded me the opportunity. I mean, I was I was partnerships manager effectively, and um, yes, so shortly after I I got the internship, they they offered me a job, um, and really just got to learn so much about the process of um, engagement and 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 really, as I said, you know, for me, the partnerships role afforded me the opportunity to talk to corporations, talk to government. And, you know, in, in the US, um, the corporate social responsibility sector is a very mature sector. I mean, and there are reasons for that, including tax incentives for companies to invest back into the communities. Um, so, so it was a really um, mature corporate social responsibility experience. I was so fortunate to land at the United Nations Association and have such a fantastic introduction to that world and to see the importance of what they were doing. And I guess that really kind of fueled my interest in in the um, not-for-profit world. Um, and then I went on to to run another organisation um, locally um, and started a, a branch of the American Australian Association uh, in in the in um, New England and and I guess that kind of was the beginning for me of my journey back to Australia um, and again you know had a fantastic CEO who I learned so much from in that role and yeah and then eventually yes my my I had the opportunity to come back to Australia and actually work for the city of Melbourne so um, I've kind of done I've done the gamut of of uh, Corporate, not for profit, and and government. I was going to actually. say the multi sectoral uh, perspective is certainly there. Yeah, um, it, it's interesting. And and when I've spoken to my chair PD eights over the years about you know what's the 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 skills and the talents that that um, are going to be required for real collaboration to to occur, mm. as as we affectionately refer to it as cross dressing. Um, <laughs> you, you, know, you you've worked. You have the capacity when you've worked in multiple sectors to speak and understand i think the nuances and the and the language mm. that that each of those sectors have and i think it's a real 
um, I think is a real benefit and a, and a great attribute for anybody um, working these days. And and as so many have, I mean, I, I've had the chance to reinvent myself and um, through the, the different uh, careers that I've, paths that I've pursued. But I guess when I came back to Australia um, and in the role that I was playing at the City of Melbourne, it really afforded me the opportunity to actually look at the corporate social responsibility space and and how business intersected with society here. And it was really a, a really different experience than I just had in the US. To me, it wasn't a, what I would call a mature yeah, uh, certainly not. Um, sector or industry here. It's funny when you're talking about um, language yeah. and a lot of people use the, the language uh, metaphor when they're talking about different sectors speaking different dialects or even different languages. But then different countries, you might be speaking in the same sectors, same languages, and it's different That's right. in maturity and yeah. how it's perceived. So yeah. whereas we might think about corporate social responsibility um, here when you say it now, people are thinking like, oh, maybe that's a little bit retrograde language to describe what's happening. Yeah. But yeah. really it's it's only been around and an actual thing here uh, in very recent times. Exactly. And, and when I came back, you know, for, for me what I saw was still – sponsoring sporting events or things that didn't have any strategic, um, you know, alliance or, or, you know, strategic thinking behind it Mm. um, and didn't really relate to what the purpose of the organisation was. So that's kind of what I saw. And um, I was working at the time at the City of Melbourne with um, Rod Ellis-Jones, who um, who, who, who he and I founded the Shared Value Project together. And he originally showed me the article in, I guess, 2011 that Porter and Kramer had written. And I just thought it just made sense. Mm. It just made sense to me that, um, you know, if we think that capitalism is the system we have and, and how do we sort of more effectively pull the levers um, within capitalism and, and the corporate sector is that lever. Yep. Um, and also I guess that what I what I sort of really saw was and, and through in my different experiences that the corporate sector, that's where the resources lie. For um, sure. You know, it, that's where the, the money is, a lot of knowledge. I'm, I'm not su- – and, and, and never do I suggest that the corporate sector, you know, takes this leadership in trying to – change the world and solve problems on their own, but they have a lot to contribute, much more than they probably have been contributing. Mm. Um, and so the the idea of shared value really resonated with me and I just kind of thought, well, maybe this is something that could actually help companies sort of leap forward in their their thinking around um, community engagement and community activity here. And um, so I guess that led to us eventually um, forming, formalising the, the Shared Value Project. And, um, yeah, we, we kind of started back in the day with very informal discussions, but we um, quickly realised, I think, that that leadership and, you know, CEOs were going to need to be involved in, in this conversation, not just CEOs, but the C-suite in general. And, yep. and so we were fortunate um, back then to be able to sort of tap into the the network of, of PD8s who, who's now our chair and, and and start some of those discussions. And how were those um, discussions received in the early days? Was it, were they like, what planet are you on? Or was it sort of, yep. did you have to change your language very much to meet at the same uh, eye level? Or did mm. you, what was your strategy there? Yeah, I think that um, it, it was surprisingly, there was a lot of positive um, interest, mm. which, which I don't think we necessarily anticipated. And if I think about the first round table that we had we just we had a round table lunch and and i think at that table there was nab um bhp pwc aia um australia um uh ymca and and a couple of others and 
And I think that the sense that I felt then was that there was a genuine desire for companies to con- not conduct themselves but have better community engagement. Mm-hmm. And I think they were struggling to work out how they could do it. I think there was a sort of a bit of a general sense that, yeah, I mean, what they were doing and what they were calling corporate social responsibility at that time wasn't really fulfilling their needs. Um, it wasn't having the the impact that they hoped it would and, and how could they sort of do that better. So, yeah, I, I guess we were surprised by that really positive response. And, and you know, if you think about even this was, um, you know, 2012, I think, when we held our first round table and, you know, you think NAB was at that table yeah, then. Yep. So I guess what, uh, you know, I, I, I guess, you know, in looking at, um, the conversations that have happened around the Royal Commission and others, I, I kind of, you know, everybody gets disheartened by the behaviour of banks, but I guess I always feel good that, you know, they they knew back then that there was um, oh, yeah. that they needed to change the way that they were doing things. It wasn't working. Yeah. I think and, that the optics are certainly a problem in how yeah. we perceive the role of the, the big corporates. Because right. I, I think, you know, Royal Commission is one thing, but um, people think in absolutes too much, you know. You, yeah. can, you yeah. can be part of the problem but also part of the solution that, in many ways. That's right. And I think actually you've just hit on such a great point there mm. because if if those companies who are part of the problem, that they have to be part of the solution. Mm. And and, and um, anyway, it's interesting uh, in some of the conversations we have with our not-for-profit members and, and how there was a real reluctance to have a collective and a collaborative mm. discussion with the corporate sector because of, you know, those perceptions. But anyway. Um, but not-for-profits have also had to think, change very much how they think about also um, aligning with corporates. Because absolutely. I think, as you said before, the days of, hey, let's just go and sponsor this team. Yeah, yeah. When not-for-profits see um, corporates behaving that way or mm. as such, they've got to think more strategically. So what is the shared opportunity here? Yeah. And, and obviously um, the corporate wants to get something back and mm. it has to help the bottom line. No one's under any illusions about that. So mm. the way that um, not-for-profits have become more sophisticated and how they work with corporate partnerships is mm. quite amazing to me. Yeah. Do you sort of share that? Uh, yeah, a- absolutely. And I think the the purpose discussion yep. that we're having now has been incredibly helpful in um, – taking that conversation forward. I mean, corporations now, not just not-for-profits, are really trying to understand what their purpose is beyond their, you know, um, fiscal obligations. So, and I think because of that and and that shift that they're having, I think that there's now much more of a shared philosophy, I suppose, and I think that it will potentially shared philosophy with some of the NGOs and not-for-profits, and I think there'll be, Sort of more natural alignments that occur when when each of them are seeking partners. Yeah. Um. So I think that's been a really kind of helpful discussion. And just going back to your earlier question about um. Yes. So when we had our first round tables, there was there was a positive energy. But I think that to be honest, everyone was still grappling with what the hell is shared value and 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 you know how how was it going to take this conversation forward for us and and elevate and and think about you know how we operate. Yeah. So maybe a good point to jump off yeah. then, and maybe we could have done this a bit earlier, but um, for the purposes of language and definition, um, you know, that, that 2011 paper by Porter and uh, Cramo is just foundational, not just in strategy, but in um, in impact and 
you know, in, in every sense, in the yeah. boardroom and the executive table. How, how does that define shared value and how do you sort of conceive of it today in your work? Yeah. So, I mean, I think that um, for, you know, for, for, your, for your listeners who don't know, so um, Michael Porter um, is, a, is a professor at Harvard and, and uh, along with Mark Kramer and and, and really the, the idea of shared value came from a lot of work that they were doing consulting to corporations, but they were consulting to their foundations um, and they were, you know, tasked with how, how can we make our foundation be, you know, have great reach and be impactful. And I think that what they realised was, well, there was such a, you know, a small amount of um, uh, resource that was tied up in a, in a foundation as compared to, you know, looking back at the core business. Mm. And so I think that they were really trying to, to work out how can we tap into, you know, all the knowledge, skills, assets that are sitting at the core of the business and tap into those to actually try to, you know, get that impact that companies are looking for. So the idea for me that I, that really resonates with shared value is it's actually not doing um, a, a, a kind of a traditional corporate social responsibility marketing exercise that, that, you know, makes the company look good and, and offsets or even a traditional like philanthropic grant where, yep. you know, you give a, you know, an organization $10,000 or a hundred thousand yep. dollars and you know, go off and do what you can. It's actually how can we as a business operate in a way um, and consider across the whole of how we operate, what the societal impact or possibility is in terms of, um, you know, dealing with the issues that we as a business face. And I guess this is this is really the crux of the whole matter is that businesses don't operate in a vacuum. Mm. They're impacted by the same social issues that we as individuals are. Um, and and so it kind of makes sense to me that that companies would think about um, what they're, how they're best placed and the skills and knowledge that they have to actually address those issues that are actually impacting them and their capacity to conduct their business. Yes. I mean, it just kind of made sense to me. And so, you know, shared value is about how does a business uh, create economic value and and social or environmental value at the same time and, and doing it through their core operations rather than it being a peripheral activity. Yeah, that's super interesting to me. So so I think what I find really interesting about the shared value approach because, you know, with with the whole challenge in 2011 or around that time of CSR, for whatever reason, is not really – stuff's not really happening here the way it needs to for things to change and to tackle all the issues we face. But then we've got all of a sudden we've got B Corp, we've got corporate yeah. citizenship, we've got um, a whole bunch of maybe different tools yeah. – but um, ta- trying to tackle the same problem. Yeah. The one thing that I find interesting about shared value is that it's about doing all of this, but in a really commercial context, yeah. so doing so in a way that is tied to making profit. Yeah. Um, and, and and I guess, you know, for me, it's, it's how do you motivate a business? So you've got to talk in business language, yeah. which I think is what the shared value, what the shared value um, thinking is really, um, it has been really helpful in engaging business is because it is a business language. Um, and, and so there's been cut through and, and when you start to sort of talk to, uh, uh, you know, the C-suite and say, well, you know, you can actually do things differently, but still be profitable. Yeah. That's when, that's when things start to resonate. But, you know, you're right. There's been a, there's, you know, a, a plethora of, of different um, complementary membership groups, yeah, and yeah, these types. yeah, membership groups, and just I guess complementary yep. um, tools and and 
products and things like, like you said, B Corp, conscious capitalism. Mm. So all of these, I guess, conversations have been really helpful in driving the conversation forward. And we don't see, I mean, impact investing is another yep. um, really important discussion for us because if, I mean, if you look at, um, if you go online and Google what the definition of impact investing is, it's basically the same as shared value in terms of yeah, the 100%. outcomes. I'd say but, it's but the just, most commercially um I'd say focused or if you think about yeah. the language of economics and the sort of the tools and what's happening, yeah. I sort of place um, impact investing as sort of the the most um, uh, descriptive or prescriptive sure. application of that kind of profit-driven language to yeah. solve social issues. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's kind of an interesting one for me as, as, you know, we've been pretty involved in the impact investing discussion because not only, you know, do you need the business to – to you know, conduct and operate in a particular way, you actually need the investors and the analysts and to to understand and actually be you know investing in those yep. companies that are that are changing their behaviour. Um, so we've re- and and for me, I guess the, the the slight challenge about the impact investing conversation, it is very often and targeted at small social enterprise type operations, yes. whereas. The the you know the 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 whole reason for having the shared value conversation is because large companies have the capacity to take solutions to scale and quickly. Sure, and I think scale is a key part of what, it is. what you're saying there. Yeah. So, obviously, uh, impact investing is driven by um, the the ability to rapidly scale, That's which right. it comes from venture capital. That's is right. a very important core concept. Yeah. And I think where where I used to struggle, or maybe yeah. still have a bit of tension around all of this, is just that focus on scale commerciality and profit yeah yeah. Um, there are a lot of things that are worth doing um Mm. just because they're important i i I couldn't agree more um (laughs) really but but i suppose for me it's it's you know how do you how do you work within this system and and you know you've got to think about what motivates um you know our audience and and so then you've got to be able to you know have a relatable conversation but you know i think that if we think about growth i mean current growth that we've experienced and i'm talking about you know from a capitalist um, perspective over the last 20 years is completely unsustainable. I mean, it's just, it's, that's not what companies should be, need to be thinking about. They yeah. need to be thinking about how can we just continue to, um, you know, be, be sustainable in the real, um, sense of that word. How, how do we just continue to, um, adapt? Mm. Because, you know, the, the external, um, climate and and I'm I'm not talking about the you know the the, well, the sunshine but but, but <laughs> we we can get to that but just there's so much I guess you know when you talk about externalities and yeah. things I mean the, the they are they are caught I mean they impact business there's no question about it and I think that companies need to be really thinking now about in this kind of turbulent times um, you know how do they just be resilient how yeah. do they build resilience how do they continue to serve the communities and and I guess part of my a philosophy or my belief about business is uh, most businesses were actually set up to to serve society. I, I you know, originally it, I would a, definitely a, agree. A, with originally, you. and and I mean, I, I I can't think of a business that was set up to harm. Yeah. Um. You know, there's harmful activities that that companies do in order to achieve, um. You know what they tried to set out. You know, if you think about mining companies, um. You think you know, I, I don't think Philip Morris did establish themselves to kill people. Um, mm, debatable. <laughs> well, I think I think if you, if you go I'm back joking. to when they first started, yeah, they yeah. didn't. Banks didn't set up to screw customers no. either. So I think that the challenge, uh, and and you know, and we have this conversation internally. You know, well, this is like is, a, the purpose of the corporation it, kind of it, conversation, isn't it? Well, it? well, it kind of is. And I, and I think that what's happened is that 
companies have got away from understanding you know, why they exist. Yeah. Um, they exist to serve the community, to serve customers, and it has been very much about you know that shareholder. You know, particularly the last fifty years has it's all been driven by shareholders, and that's just it's just not. It's not the whole story, yeah. and and it's it's not if comp- companies, as I say, can't sustain their growth, it's just impossible. Mm. Um, and and so they need to actually go back to some old fashioned thinking. Yeah, and I think it's it's it comes into sort of that conception as value being comprised of economic, economic, social, and environmental has helped a lot. Yeah, because that's we, right. we it's we don't think of it as a sort of zero sum game. It's that's not right. about the, just the balance sheet and the profit and loss. It's sort of thinking in that um, broader context. What are the costs that we haven't traditionally considered that um, are the in, uh, uh, that we're sort of taking on as a result of that rapid growth. And that's when I think about that's things right. like, you know, um, we might be going really well and growing each year, but yeah. what is the state of our people? That's right. Uh, what is the state of our environment? What yep. is the mental health of our workforce? Exactly. Um, and I think the Friedman, you know, view of capitalism, I think we've moved, I think, well, if, if we haven't moved on, then then we need to be moving yeah. on because that's that's not, that's not what the next fifty years looks like. Not in not from where I'm sitting, anyway. And what do you? I mean, obviously, shared value can be a, a core part of making yeah. that shift. What else sort of comes to mind for you? Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, you, we've kind of touched on a lot of those things. I mean, I think I think the B Corp movement. I think the impact investing conversation. I think they've all been really helpful tools. And I, and I see shared value as just one tool. That companies can use. Do you think that there are other levers though that we haven't touched on? So, do you think, for example, about um, you know ethical or uh, oh, yeah. purposeful leadership, yeah, uh, political leadership? Um, oh, well, what politics. else has to happen? <laughs> do we, do we, maybe we shouldn't touch politics, but yeah, look, I think you're you're so right. I think just the way a company behaves. I mean, to be ethical um, in in its in its behaviour and how it operates is is fundamentally important and. And I guess the benefits of that are not only that you know the the business is um, you know the, the customer base which we know customers uh, consumers are looking at companies and how they operate and I I do that myself um, you know with decisions that I make about you know my energy provider and even just consumer goods that I purchase now um, I really think about that and I know that it's not just the millennials I'm not a millennial I'm a little a little bit older and I know it's not just their domain I I think about that as it's well everyone now it's everyone um, thinks about that and and so I think that is really fundamentally important and I think that's really fundamentally important from an employer perspective as well um people want to work for companies that are doing good things but don't you think as well that it's like with people and how they're living their life like if you talk to a fairly with it person who's you know um in tune with themselves they're doing things like meditating they're doing things like prioritizing exercise they're you know they're they're watching their drinking they're they're doing a whole range of things and then you go to work a lot of people just go to work and where's all of that stuff yeah it's sort of like there's this fundamental um disjunct between where people are heading in yeah. terms of their own um, need, human needs and what the workplace provides is another issue. Yeah, and I, and I think that's going to be dictated yeah. by the climate change environment conversation as well in yeah. terms of, you know, human needs and what we really need. And um, But, you know, you, but you're so right and, and I think that what we're not we, – we don't want to trade off anymore. And I, and I think that, you know, we talk about growth of um, businesses is not sustainable. Well, just, just the way we've been – Responding to that as you know, working our asses off and working ridiculous hours, yep. and and you know, it, when I came back to Australia, and I thought you know we used to live, you know, we had a pretty relaxed lifestyle. But I think when I came back, I realised that we're actually we. And I remember reading a study or, or some stats on this that we actually were working more hours 
than than the US. I mean, yeah. on average, and that's. I mean, I don't know about you, Mike, but I, I I'm tired. <laughs> um, uh, everyone's I, tired, yeah. and everyone's um, busy, and I think these are. Um, Difficult things because I think in some way, um, you know, everyone has to say they're busy and tired because it's sort of if you don't, maybe you're not going great. (laughs) But but, but but I'm beginning to think quite differently about that personally. I I do think though um, it's a really bad thing and like it's bad because what it means is you can't be present with the people you love. That's right. Um, And just the way we consume has got to change because it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable for for the the environment. It's not, you know, it's not sustainable for our bank balances. It's just... All of those things, and I think that we, um, yeah, I think we need to go back to some simpler times. Um, I think a lot about things like um, that are, that are uh, frustrating in some ways, but also inspire hope. Like the straws thing in the US, like you know, the shift away from plastic straws to um, you know to metal straws, and here to uh, basically, if you if you go anywhere for a takeaway coffee and you don't have a keep cup or a Frank Green cup, you're going to get stoned publicly. You're a huge risk. Uh, I, so I, that's changed. Uh, yeah, it has changed. I mean, I, I remember like visiting the Netherlands. Um, um, you know, 20, 30 years ago and going to a supermarket and, you, you know, they didn't have plastic bags then. I mean, that was that was a long the time ago. The plastic bags thing, of course. It's, yeah. it's, it's, you know, there is um, – the solutions are there and I think this is kind of the interesting thing and in, in thinking about the, you know, the social enterprise piece and and work that so many are doing. I think the solutions are there. 100%. It's just, it's just how do we how do we systemize? How do we regulate? How and do using we, economics as well, which right. is, I think is something really positive that shared value brings to the table. So, just little things like mm. disincentivizing the behaviour we don't like. So, to pay fifteen cents extra for a plastic bag wherever you are, people don't like that. They're oh, going to do it less. Crazy. I mean, come on. So let's take that and then put it into as much that we can or test and run trials on how else we can extend that logic to make it a better um, society. Yeah, and I um – uh, and I know, and, and you know, and I, I'm I'm sitting here, and I'm very privileged. Mm. So you know, I've 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 had access to great education. I've travelled. Um, you know, I live a pretty great life. Mm. So, and, and I know that part of the argument is that you know, not everybody has access to that. And so, how do we bring you know the whole of society on the ride with us? And and I think the work that you know, not for profits are doing, mm. and. And, and but but again, I still think that there's solutions there that that are going to benefit ultimately everybody. Well, I think a point I want to touch on is with the privilege. I also acknowledge my own privilege in, in this um, in in this complex world we live in. But with that privilege comes a lot of responsibility um, to take action to try and reach you know as many people as possible with um, what's important. So we, we talked earlier about you know. Um, some of your why and why you do this work and I share a similar why because yeah. change has to happen and sharing this, these conversations that, that matter most with as many people as possible hopefully can help inspire some of that. Yeah, and like you, I mean, I, I don't think the change is happening quickly enough mm. and and if I um, think about the, um, you know, the what what's going to um, – impact or what's going to have to happen in order for that change to happen quickly you know unfortunately you know certainly here in australia mm. we're probably seeing some of that playing out right now with yeah. the, the fires that are burning and and you know now all of a sudden there is a tension on climate change yeah. and and the impact that that's having on our yeah. society and then you know um you know i've been thinking about the knock-on effects to all of these fires and and how it's going to impact you know agriculture and and tourism and 
Um, but but maybe out of this, we can actually come up with new agricultural practices. Hundred. Well, let's hope so. Let let's <laughs> yeah. hope something positive yeah. comes out of what's a horrible situation. And I also find it quite troubling that it took um, a, a young girl uh, with autism um, yeah. to to become very upset on a global stage and to cry uh, in putting your arguments across to get um, the global response that it did. In, in some ways, I'm very happy that it's had such a big response. Yeah. In other ways, I'm horrified that, that, that that's what it took for people to pay attention to a problem. And yeah. as you said, these kinds of disasters are happening locally and abroad that just, just make it harder and harder to um, to to live um, good and long lives. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I have a 17-year-old mm. daughter and I've been saying to her for years, you know, how is it that you're not that you're not angrier? Mm. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so, love it. So I, yeah, I mean, you know, the, the, I, I think of the not that I was alive uh, during the protests of the sixties and the seventies, but um, you know, the, the the world then seemed to be angry, and they they you wanted change. You would have been right up in there in the sixties. Okay, I'm, I'm certain of it. <laughs> Maybe I don't know. I don't know. You and I, I both. Myself. I would be next to you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but I think we, you know, we need to, you know, and 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 here in Australia, we we have the capacity to express um, you know our dissatisfaction with the way things are mm. so um, so yeah I think that 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 demonstration uh, and that collective voice is is really required um, you know, is it falling on deaf ears um, I, I think that you know unfortunately or, or you know maybe fortunately some of these fires did impact some of our politicians mm. and so then I think we're going to get a different response because I think it's when these things touch you that sometimes that you know that you that you um, react accordingly I think um, politics has become inherently boring for a lot of people disengaging yep. uh, people have become more and more apathetic and that's no surprise when you look mm. at what's happened and the mm. response and whatnot mm. with the fires and uh, each stage of life but it does open up um, an interesting um, situation where the other stakeholders who have a lot of influence can do and yeah. are doing yeah. and people are watching that with more interest such as business you know yeah. you've got this uh you've got this whole spectrum of things where it used to be the role of government now it's kind of shifted to business not full of profits philanthropy and what an exciting time in a way to be part of that space oh absolutely i mean it was interesting when i lived in the u.s i mean nobody went to government to solve problems yeah. i mean government didn't have any money mm. um you know they're there to provide that regulatory you know, framework and support, but but here in Australia, I think there had been and has been an expectation that government will, you know, solve our problems. But I, I don't think that's the role of government. I think the role of government, you know, they they sit in an interesting space. They understand what the issues are. Um, they can facilitate, I think, um, and bring together the parties that can actually really solve um, yep. these problems. And and I, so I, I really kind of think that that's what they need to be doing more is convening. And um and and then responding, you know, with from yeah. a policy and regulatory perspective, um, we'll, we'll see, you know, how how that progresses. But I think that that's the realization I've come to, and and you know, and and is, there's no, I mean, this in terms of the, I guess, how um, resources are allocated. There's no question that the business sector has the vast majority of of resources. Mm. 
um, and and can use the skills and the knowledge that the not-for-profit sector has in a really meaningful and engaged way. So it's how do we provide this environment where collaboration, which is talked about so much but really hard to do, mm. but how can we create the environment where that collaboration actually happens so that we can work together on you know to get that um, to get those effective results and the impact that we the positive impact that 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 we need. Yeah, I agree with you. I think government has um, decided to sort of take the court systems coordinator referee steward role rather than being in the game, so to speak. So occasional funder of important works. Yeah. Um, and seed fund. I mean, they, they do seed a lot yeah. of uh, programs, which I think is is really really valuable. Uh, you know, as you, you work in the not for profit sector, so it's it's you know that 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 seeding. But can we even shift that seeding and and um yeah and and not just impact investing, but you know, shared value investing. Yep. How do you actually invest in shared value opportunities? Um, so that's kind of some of the conversations we're exploring. That's exciting. Yeah. Let me play the role of the cynic, which I often play. Good. Love, uh, love a cynic. It's, it's a natural role for me. I can't help it. I'll blame my mum, but she'll, um, <laughs> yeah, she, she can't answer to that. So it's perfect uh, forum. Um, does intention matter in this space? Because I think what I've been wondering a bit about is if shared value sort of has this conception that business wants to make a profit, one way it can make a profit is that it knows that it's profitable to invest in doing social good. So does it matter? It's sort of like an instrumental versus intentional kind of argument. Um, if I just want to make profit and I can throw money at anything and I throw it at social, that's, you know, just one way of making yeah. money. Does it, does it matter that my heart or my my essential altruism isn't maybe as much in the game? I think the intentionality is um, is really important actually. And, 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 um, I guess the the member organisations that we work with, um, you know, do want to actually intentionally from the beginning of these projects consider the social elements to to whatever piece of work that they're undertaking, um, and so we actually you know sit down them with them with a with a framework to actually help them map out and and I guess kind of co-design or, or like start the ideation of, of of what it actually looks like to come from a shared value perspective you know, perspective as opposed to how they might have done things traditionally. Yeah. Um, so I, I actually think that intention is key. And and we're seeing a lot of companies now come out with their purpose statements, which is a great step forward. Yeah. But it's then how do they use the the tools that are there and in, not just shared value, as I said, but, you know, impact investing, um, you know, B Corp, um, the you know, the B Corp audit mm. to actually demonstrate and, you know, that that – that they're actually delivering yeah, on that yeah. purpose. So it's, matching up the that, that expressed right. intention right. to do with yeah. the doing. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's an excellent point. Um, you kind of always worry um, as a cynic that people want to be perceived a certain way, yeah, sure. big hearts, you know, we, we're here to save the planet, we're saving the world, and then it's easy to just say that, but what do you do next? How do you Absol- measure that? Absolutely. And, and I guess um, – and so it's it's heartening to me that there's you know a, a lot of companies are starting to do it, and then many more who are interested. And you know we're talking about big companies, and it takes a long time for them to change. Um, but hopefully through some of the you know, the tools and the and the education programs and workshops that we run, they're, they're certainly you know starting to get it. Um, and yeah, I, I um, it's 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 really I mean. How do you do it? How do you do it quickly enough? How do you how do you continue to incentivize and inspire? 
Um, so there's a lot of, you know, the fluffy stuff kind of has to happen a little bit. But, I, you know, very much, and, and I felt this from the beginning with shared value, shared value is not a marketing um, you know, exercise. Yes, there may be, you know, benefits and, and hopefully because the company or the business will be conducting itself in a way that's that's genuine and they're transparent about yeah. it. Well, you know, that that will hopefully be the knock-on effect will be that, you know, customers will um, you know, be loyal and and want to purchase their products and they'll see that demonstrated through the work that they're doing. It's kind of acts, not ads, I yes, suppose. hundred percent. I think when you start to look at things like um, what actually happens when companies engage in practices that are the more stakeholder focused, yep. the things that you sort of tend to see are employees that are happier. That's right. And, and all of that links to corporate performance. For sure. And, and, and it's for us, I guess, it's how do you, yeah, how do you link these, convers- how do you link all these discussions? Discussions to the corporate performance yep. piece, you know, employee uh, attraction and retention is just enormously beneficial. Oh, it's the, the biggest thing, it, I would say, almost it, the biggest thing. Absolutely, and I, and one company who who's among our members, and I don't like to, you know, just bring up one uh, as opposed to everyone else, but you know, I have to say that IAG, mm. who's you know, I think Australia's largest general insurance company, the the what they've been able to do through their shared value work is is really create a different culture within that organization and and now everybody wants to go and work for them and that's that's starting to come through in i i hope you know in their cor- corporate performance and their yeah. and, and maybe their share price but so these sorts of the, some of the things that we want to start tracking to kind of be able to you know you know, demonstrate yeah. that this is actually a really good thing for companies to do. It's not well. It's not just a good thing. It's a profitable thing for them. Hmm. And it just, I guess, one other thing I was just thinking about when we were talking about marketing that, um, even though you know, for us, we want more and more companies to kind of shift and and think about shared value um, as their approach. I mean, I think corporate philanthropy and 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 traditional CSR are actually still really important hmm. for businesses. Hmm. I mean, that social license to operate. Yep. Um, but we just don't want that to be an offset of bad, you know, uh, an offsetting bad behaviour. Oh, yeah, yeah. So we want, you know, I think a, a, an organisation would still use all of those um, tools, including their traditional, you know, corporate engagement um, as, a, as, as, a, as a tool for them to conduct their business. And, you know, and goodness knows, um, you know, lots of organisations are still going to rely on just pure philanthropic funding. Mm. Um, you know, they, they are still important. Um but we just try to kind of you know shift them and give them a new tool in their toolkit to to have a more you know uh, hopefully impactful and and in, and in, um, better outcome for everyone. And what sort of things do you have in place to make sure that the not for profit as part of this sort of conversation is um, not just a vehicle for for more profit, but sort of a valued voice in the change process? Yeah, um, so yeah, it's really um kind of been fascinating to engage with the not for profits and and um. You know, and I don't want to be critical of them, but you know, as you mentioned, I think they have to change and transition and and think differently about themselves. I For mean, sure. they are businesses in their own right. It's certainly true. Most of them, um, they're they're all vying for you know uh, shrinking funding and um and and I think that they um need to actually understand what they do as a business and yes. and what value they actually bring. What are the assets that they can bring to this conversation, mm. and then. I think, you know, and we talked about the language before, I think the challenge is sometimes, you know, that many not-for-profits are used to having a grant funding um, or, or a sponsorship conversation. Yeah. They're not used to having a business conversation with these partners and actually thinking about what it is that they really bring to the table in, ter- sure. in terms of their own you know, capability. Um, so we're, we've kind of been doing a lot of work in, in – um, 
working with the not-for-profit partners of our corporate members to actually help them be able to, you know, have a better, more meaningful dialogue and feel that they're more of an equal partner. Yep. And helping them understand what their skills, assets and capabilities as, a, as an organisation are. So that's kind of a, where we've sort of been, um, I, I hope, ha- hope having a, a positive impact. Well, I think that's something that you can certainly bring to the table. I think um, not-for-profits generally are, um, are also companies and that's right. the way they have to operate in the space, um, you know, that they people have this misconception that not-for-profits um, don't have to make money. But they, of course they do. They <laughs> of have to, course they do. They, they've got enormous cost to cover usually in terms yeah. of staff um, yeah. mainly who are the service providers and they, um, you know, you show me a CEO who isn't expected to make a surplus every year and I'll, I'll show you a, a CEO who's uh, lost their job, certainly. So, <laughs> exactly. you know, um, there are expectations around performance um, that need to be communicated. But I think that that hasn't always translated to not-for-profits having the best kind of acumen or language or presentation yeah. and also knowing what corporates want That's from right. that kind of relationship. And, and I think, you know, there are many conversations going on now where, um, you know, they, they are coming together more as equals. And I think we, in, certainly in the shared value space, I mean, having the not-for-profit partner involved in the ideation process of mm. developing some of these programs that's fundamentally important so that you yes. can get the benefit of their their understanding of it whether it's a you know a new market sector that that a company's thinking about um but they they really understand that landscape really well and i think that that's where you need them to be involved in the conversation is at the beginning for sure and then and then really you know and, and each partner the the corporate and the not for profit understanding what you know, how their values, and I'm talking mm. about, I guess, personal values uh, more so, um, actually align. Um, you know, do they have a shared philosophy? Are they, um, you know, can they really work effectively yeah. and well together? Where's um, that area of um, mutual interest and overlap? That's that's right. And 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 not just for a not-for-profit to come and think, oh, well, you know, I'll go and have this conversation and it's going to end up in a, you know, a, a big I'll get $100,000. Yeah, I'll get $100,000. Yeah. Well, not how the world works it's anymore. Not, it's just not how it works. And and companies, and rightly so, as as do not for profit organisations, they want return on investment. For sure. I mean, this is this is what this is what is being demanded now. So you need to be able to respond accordingly. Well, I think our boards demand it. Corporate boards demand it. That's one thing we certainly have in common. Yeah. Um, let me ask you about cynic point number two. Oh, yeah. So uh, read your um, lovely article in Pro Bono earlier, and you mentioned purpose washing, which is one of my um, yeah. biggest ires. And you know that and impact washing. I'd green say washing. green washing. Any kind of washing where you've got that kind of that thorny uh, divide between um, how something's pitched yeah. and what it actually is, yeah. and you know you go online today and you you type in something like impact or purpose, and everyone's a chief purpose officer or a chief impact <laughs> officer, or you know having huge impact, have yeah. more impact. Um, how does it? How do we kind of? How do you tackle this problem? I guess is my my question. How do you think about that? problem and in your context especially maybe how do you kind of be quite careful that yeah. you know you don't have um people or companies out there playing that kind of shared value card or that purpose card without properly doing the work yeah i mean <laughs> we you know we, we're, we're not the moral police um and and nor are we the shared value police uh but so so my view is you know if if you know companies are starting to hire purpose um you know, chief purpose officers. Uh, look, I think that's I think that's only helpful. Um, actually, ultimately, uh, but I think going back to you know what we just talked about intention. I think that it, it, it's it goes back to what a company's intention is. And but having said that, um, 
even, you know, when we first started, so we formally started the Shared Value Project as a member-based organisation in 2014 and, you know, most companies, well, they didn't know what Shared Value was and so you kind of have to start somewhere. Yes. And, and we had the benefit because we'd had a couple of years of informal dialogue with NAB AIA, IAG and a few others. I mean, they did come on board relatively early as, as members because they, they intentionally wanted to change and explore what this meant. But, you know, the examples we had back then weren't great. Um, you know, and that's what everyone wants. The well, evidence. You need to build piece. the case studies. So you, you and kind that of takes got to, You've got to build the case studies, and you and you've got and and so you know now, fortunately, because there are um, you know more companies doing it, and and really good solid examples of you know that they intentionally set out to embark on creating a new product or service that had a really strong social element, mm. um, and and you know and now we can start to see that even. Um, you know, that's it's it's being profitable and it's actually delivering on the social aspects of of what it was designed to do. But you know, you, that that takes time. Um, and this so, is, and so um, sorry, go ahead. Ollie. Yeah, I was just going to say, I guess we haven't you know beaten people over the head about it. Um, we're quite careful, I suppose. Um, in terms of the you know that that best practice that we're starting to put up and those case studies and making sure that they are you know as we see it you know putting a pretty strong shared value framework and lens over it to make sure that we can go hand on heart you know this is you know they intended for these outcomes and but again you know because I guess one of the challenges of shared value is it's it's longer term outcomes you know it, it's longer term thinking it takes time to it takes to time so you know we've been in existence as a, as a member based organization for 6 years yep. i mean the concept has been around since 2011 so you know I, I, i'm i'm hopeful and and what gets me excited is that there are more and more companies talking about it you know can we help them talking about it in a better way yes and I, and that's what we what's what we try to do um and you know, and you can be cynical, and 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 and, but I, I guess I just choose to to be positive rather you have than. To. Sort of the- I think the other thing is, you know, um, with any kind of new thing that you're that you're trying to you're trying to create change, and systems right. change is hard to do. Yeah. And there's going to be a certain period of time by which you talk about that change before it's happening, yeah. and then it starts to happen, and then you can talk with more confidence, and then it's sort That's of right. it's that sort of um, talking doing cycle that tends to level out. And then you get the case studies and then yeah. you're talking about things that have happened and it's That's far right. more credible. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, it, it, you're, you're totally right. I mean, that really is the cynic voice in my head, <laughs> but you have to see the good that's come from all of that's, that. That's right. And, you know, and baby steps. Yeah. But, but, you know, I guess what's interesting right now is that you do have a lot more influences mm. understanding what the possibilities of, of this yeah, are. And, sure. you know, and you've got – you know, if I think of the, the US um, Business Roundtable that came out with their statement last year and you've got Larry Fink with his new letter and yep. I guess the commitment that BlackRock has made mm. um, in terms of not, not investing in fossil fuels uh, uh, any longer or yep. certainly coal, um, you know, that, yes. F- football the, clubs divesting from gambling I the, think is the, an interesting that's one. That's right. I, mean, I wish mine would. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so I think that what I'm – what I feel hopeful about is that, you know, there's there's big influences now talking about this and I think that will 
make a huge difference to um, – well, I think hopefully it will speed up. Well, the, I think today actually yeah. what's interesting is that talk is far more accountability-based than it used to be. Yes. It, when mm. you say stuff uh, as a public figure of a company or a um, not-for-profit, philanthropy, whatever, when you're on record as saying you're going to do something or yeah. you're making a big statement, people expect you to kind of live up to what you've That's said right. and do that. That's right. Well, you know, they're, they're being held mm. much more accountable yeah. and that transparency piece is becoming vitally important. Um and you know, and for us as an organisation, and and you know, and we you know have these moral discussions um, internally about you know what organisation wouldn't we talk to? Well, I'd like to think we'd talk to everybody. I think that yeah. every company, whether it is even the Philip Morrises of the world, yeah. could benefit from it. I'll a see if I've got any Philip Morris execs on my LinkedIn. I doubt it. I'll just well, I'll double check. <laughs> um, we, we have been having. I mean, they have oh, reached yeah? out to us Amazing. over at different times over the years. Yep. When I um so so. I had the great privilege of going and doing the the Harvard Business School um, executive program on shared value with with Michael Porter, oh the, the great Michael Porter. It was a bit scary. I actually. wouldn't have been able to hold it together. <laughs> it was it was kind of. I tried to hide in the room so he wouldn't ask me any questions. <laughs> but um, I was actually sitting next to a woman from Philip Morris when I did that course. That's incredible. That that is so. That's very inspiring. I mean. You know, Philip Morris is inherently depressing, but that is inspiring. Yeah. Well, I, I think it demonstrates that that business. I mean, it's not sustainable yeah. as a business. You can't yeah. kill people and and expect that can't to, be your to main business model. It, it can't be your main no. business model. So, I guess these little things. You know, I, I'm hopeful that they, um, you know, are thinking differently. Well, and I think your pragmatism is very um, enjoyable and refreshing because I think there's a lot of people who like to kind of. Um, uh, virtue signal and signposts around this kind of stuff and they say, oh, look, I'd never work for a big bank. No. You know, they're just shocking. They're the, the mining company is just shocking. You know, they're destroying the planet. They might be, but they're very powerful. They're very big. They have a lot of resources. And do you want to be a good actor in a really um, challenging environment or do you want to not be part of any change at all? Because right. those are your choices. And and then as consumers, we also need to take some responsibility for because sure. they're out there mining, you know, gold for our my my um you know iphone so so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. um it, it's kind of and 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 i think this is we're always very quick to blame um companies yeah. about but but as as consumers we also need to take some Look, of that responsibility I, th- I think we we all kind of um have this idea of who we want to be and we of, all fall somewhat short is but somebody i heard a podcast the other day saying that um you know leonardo dicaprio has been very active in this climate change space and he's uh called out as still using a private jet to fly everywhere. Yeah. It's, just, it's just funny little stuff like it, this comes up. And- it is. I mean, for me personally, I try, um, you know, I, I still have a problem with shoes, I'll have to confess. But, you know, I... You don't I, like them or...? I, know, I like them too much. Um, but, you know, as a consumer, <laughs> I, I am thinking much more consciously about the everyday decisions that I make. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think about the environment and the, and the impact that I had. And in fact, I, I kind of laugh. My my 17-year-old daughter, Amelia, I'm naming her now, um, she did a, a an environmental audit of my – sorry, an audit of my environmental uh, household practices or our that household practices. And I – According to her, I didn't do very well. You told me she doesn't care about stuff, and here she is doing. Oh water. no, 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 no! She she cares about stuff enormously. Just um, some stuff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, no, it was being angry. I wanted oh, her to being be angry. It That's was, right. it was That's being right. angry. She she cares she, deeply. She cares, actually. but not to the point of anger, which is an issue. 
Yeah, so I, I need well, the, and having said that, in her defence, she actually did go and participate in some of the climate change demonstrations. So I was very, very proud of her. I'm, you know, trying to make her be an activist, but she's a very shy activist. Yep, that's um, okay. But, we, we, there's room for reserved activists too. <laughs> there is, but anyway, it was it was kind of interesting for her her to do that, and and for me now, you know, God, I can never peel the cling wrap off the the roll anymore. I have to use the B, you know, the oh yeah, the 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 um the other sort of the B, who gives the a B crap. Yeah, yeah, and and all of those sorts of things oh, but, yeah. but I mean it's really good for me to, to think about that and and you know and personally I'm really interested in um, you know the the circular economy piece and and you know waste management and and how we can actually create you know circular systems do you think you could get Amelia to come here and do a, a environmental practices audit oh look I'm, I'm sure she'd love to <laughs> I'm sure I can I can bring her over and and, and have her do I'm, that uh, quietly not very no we're, we're doing well you know what I think is funny is like um Old mate Cyril over there um, eats a dog food, which fifty percent of the profits save a life. The fifty percent of the um, revenue, or whatever, goes into helping other dogs. You know, so so Cyril's actually um, a social justice warrior. But but how how is that dog food being manufactured? And, oh god! Don't don't take don't do me there, that. Helen. And and I will say, my, my house is a lot smaller than yours. <laughs> so so I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling a bit superior from that perspective. I tried to get solar panels, and we're facing the wrong direction. Is that oh. so? What would Amelia say about that? I tried. Well, surely but. you can get them on some sort of louvered system. You're right. I'm not trying hard enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to say thank you so much for dropping in and for sharing your your wisdom, experience, and good banter with me today. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Really appreciate it. How can people learn more about your work at Shared Value and connect with you if they want to? Yeah, well, and you want to. Um, well, I'd be very remiss if I didn't direct people to our website um, in the first instance, so um, sharedvalue.org.au. Um, and, uh, you know, there, there's 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 certainly, uh, you know, lot, lots of other, um, you know, conversations and things that are happening in the in, in the world. So I, I guess, you know, yeah, pay attention I, uh, um, and and – you know, capitalism for for you know what it's worth. I suppose you know it is a system we have, and and it's and like democracy. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's not it great, is, but it's, it's the best it's we've not, got. It's 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 the best we've got. I mean, I've looked at other systems. I mean, um, communism could socialism. You know, yeah. they've all got pluses and minuses that we could we could spend a lot of time arguing. But yeah, for me, it's a, yeah, how do we kind of you know leverage the system we have and work within that system, and and that's what I guess that's what I choose to do. And and on and a more I, um, practical level, if people want to connect with you, yeah, uh, should oh, they, sure. you're on LinkedIn and whatnot. Yeah, LinkedIn. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, I'm, I'm going off on a tangent. No, you're right. Um, you're right. Yeah, no, LinkedIn. Um, yeah, please check me out on LinkedIn, and um, I think my email address is up there as well. So, you know, hsteel at shedvalue.org.au. Awesome. I'm sure people want to further that conversation, even potentially the political one, which is quite an yeah. interesting way to end. Yeah, great. Thank you so much. Thanks. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you hit the subscribe button in your podcast player or the link in today's episode notes. Why not share the podcast with your networks? After all, 62% of our subscribers come from word-of-mouth recommendations and social shares. You could also leave us a five-star review and some kind words in the iTunes store. If you love what we do each week and want to support the show, you should join our growing community of Patreon supporters or consider becoming a show sponsor. To learn more about all of that, just head to humansofpurpose.com. 
This episode is brought to you by Dragon Ball Legends, the mobile fighting game based on the Dragon Ball series. Featuring high-quality 3D graphics and authentic voice acting, the game follows Shallot, an original character, and his adventures with Goku and others. With intuitive controls and simple card-based gameplay, unleash combos and powerful team-based attacks. Battle players around the world in friendly matches, compete in the rankings, or team up in co-op. And now Dragon Ball Legends 5th Anniversary is on. Download Dragon Ball Legends today.